sing it. All over the building. All over the building, let's sing it. Christ. How many are happy that they are the children of the most high God? How many are happy this morning? We appreciate the Lord for everything. Amen. God bless you musicians as we are going to turn to our Bibles. We are looking forward to the convention. Amen. We certainly are looking forward and we are going to be uh, blessed. Amen. Uh, when you go to a meeting, never delegate your blessing. I say never delegate your blessing. You must not say, ah, these ones are the ones that are going to be blessed. Say, I am going to be blessed. God is going to speak to me. God is going to heal me. That's the only time you are allowed to say me and me, me and me. Amen. Amen. We appreciate the Lord for everything. Musicians, after the service, as Brother Mbanyana indicated, we want you to uh, thoroughly prepare. Uh, Sometime a sister told me and said, I cannot sing in church. Then I said, why? He says, the standard is high. I say, who put the standard high? Who put the standard high? Hallelujah. We've got no high standard. We've got no high standard. Hallelujah. Uh, if you've got a song in your heart, give it to the Almighty God. Are we together? I, I hate imaginary high standards. Amen. Brother Roman says, make the joyful noise unto the Lord. Yes. Amen. Don't worry that you hit an octave high. That is not what we are here for. Amen. So I'm glad to the sisters that have blessed us. And if, if, you, are, if you are gifted and you've got a song every Sunday, sing to the Lord. I've never seen a bed waking up in the morning and say, I've been singing the whole week. Uh, what if I continue singing? No, no, no. 
If God has put something in you, manifest it. Amen. Amen. If God's put something in you, you manifest it. Uh, are we together? So, uh, and that is why I said at the other time, you must know how to worship God even when there is no applause. A real believer is not worshiping God because there are applauses. They worship God because they worship God. Amen. We need such believers. Uh, so we are looking forward, and musicians, I would want you to uh, prepare thoroughly for that. And normally, I don't know, in the last couple of months, I've been visiting what one would call relatively small churches. Uh, small not because they are small in the body, but small in terms of maybe the number. And what I've always been saying to them is that whatever you need is right in your church. I say, whatever you need is right in your church. If you need preachers, God will raise preachers among you. Uh, because uh, I remember was in Venda, a lot of times people would say, we are out here in the rural area. Maybe God is in Johannesburg or is in Cape Town or is in America. I don't believe that nonsense. I believe that God is where his children are. And I believe that if God blesses a brother in Russia, he is going to bless me. I say, if God blesses a brother in Russia, he is God blessed to bless me right here in Wheatbank. Why? Because he, he, say, he speaks about the universal program of the universal God. Amen. Folks, a universal program of the universal God. Amen. So a universal program cannot include, exclude certain areas. Even when people are in a rural area, they are in a garage, the same God that is in a big church is obligated to go into that garage and bless them. Uh, hallelujah. You cannot localize God. You cannot classify God. You cannot put God in your imaginary box. Amen. Are you still with me? I hope we are looking forward to that convention. Just be on your knees. The theme for the convention is going to be consecration. Con consecration, it means... We, we say, God, set ourselves aside. Amen. And may you use us in a manner that you have never used any people at any point in time because we recognize that we are right in that season where all the promises of God must be fulfilled. Amen. So I believe if we get into a convention that speaks about consecration, we need to consecrate ourselves before we come into a consecrated convention. Amen. Let me read here the book of Philippians. I appreciate all the messages of my birthday that came from all the believers that texted, that called. Much appreciated. Amen. Philippians 4. Verse 11. This book was written when Paul was in prison. 
he had reached a T-junction in his life, he did not know whether he was going to live or be killed. Uh, but it's amazing that it's such, such a book that is full of nuggets. Amen. Amen. Philippians 4, verse 11. Uh, I always would want you to read with me. Not that I speak in respect of want. For I have learned. In whatsoever state I am. Therewith to be content. Isn't our desire, folks? That no matter what state you are in, you learn to be content. I know both how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere. And in all things I'm instructed. Both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things. Did you see? I, you. Not This time it's not Paul, it's you. Through Christ, which strengthens me. In the book of Psalms 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore will not will not we fear. Though the earth be removed. Though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though the waters thereof roar. And be troubled. Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Sela. Folks, we will not be afraid. As we bow as gracious Heavenly Father, may you be gracious this morning. We appreciate everything that you have done for us. Dear God, we just realize that from day to day, especially in this late hour, we just need your grace. Our survival depends on your grace. There's just a lot of things that can go haywire. And when things are intact, we realize that the hand of the Lord is still upon us. And that is why this morning we can glorify your name and appreciate you for everything that you have done for us. We love you, dear God, because you first loved us. It was not just a lip service. You all so went all the way to Calvary and died between the heavens and the earth. 
that is why this morning we are not ashamed to stand and really witness about your love because we are the beneficiaries of your love. Dear God, without this love, we were nothing. Many people, even on the natural level, they had never experienced such love. But when we came in contact with you as our maker, your love changed us. And that is why we can walk with confidence knowing that we do have a heavenly father. We are not orphans in any way. You said, dear God, you will not leave us a comfortless, but you will send us the comforter who will teach us all the truth. And this morning we are depending on that comforter to come, dear God, and speak to your people. If there is any demonic activity, we bind it in the name of Jesus Christ. If there is any man or woman that is bound, we set them free in the name of Jesus Christ. Satan, you are a liar, and that is why you are not invited in this service. There is not even a single aspect of the program today that involves you. We entirely commit the whole program to the operation of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. We ask these things believing in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As you take your seats, Amen. <clears throat> we appreciate the Lord for everything that He has done for us. Amen. Ah, you switched over. I thought it would tilt it towards my direction. I was in a plan for load shading there. Amen. <clears throat> now, maybe let me tell you a story before I tell you what I'm going to tell you. The, there's a gentleman that I had speak. Fortunately, is late. He's one of the uh, people that were part of the plane crash that just happened recently, the Ethiopian Airlines that, that crashed with 157 people on board. Now, I don't know how many have seen the video of those people before the plane crashed. How many have seen the video before the plane came down? I guess if you have seen the video, the first question that you must have asked yourself is, what would you have done had you known that in, in less than 30 minutes or an hour, you, you will be no more? I saw everyone praying in their own way. And I even observed some of the well-known atheists that have seen the video. They were quite shaken about it because in that moment, it was showing that we all need God. Amen. Amen. There are certain situations that force you to say, I need God. Amen. Amen. But while editor can even clarify, somebody say, if God is powerful... Why did not God stop the plane? It will be against this scripture because it says there are days that are appointed for men. 
Um, and if the time has come, uh, you, you need to go. If your, call, your cart is being called, you've got to go. Amen. Amen. Now, this gentleman, I had him, he, 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 he spoke, he, he had gone to one of the hotels in Abuja, Nigeria. While he was in the hotel, he had flown quite a long distance, several hours. When he got there, he got into the hotel and the first thing that he wanted to do was to refresh himself, get into the shower. And he got into the shower, turned to the shower, and the water gushed out from the head shower. Now, what happened is that you know that the shower has got many holes. It was only half of the holes that were releasing water. Now, he looked and he said, he... Uh, uh, turned off the shower then he got out he phoned the reception and said the shower is not working can you come up here and fix the shower now in no time 15 minutes they had a, a technician or a plumber that went up got into the room got into the uh, shower and he turned the shower and the water gushed now the plumber turned around and looked at the guy and said, but there is no problem with the shower. The shower is working. Now, then he said, no, but I'm looking at the holes. Not all the holes are releasing water. Then the guy turned around and said, that is the design of the shower. It was designed that half of the holes must release uh, uh, water. Then he said he looked quite foolish, and the plumber left. Then while he was there, he said he now pondered how many, because it was a five-star hotel, how many guests have been into that hotel before he came into that hotel. But none of them phoned the reception to tell them that the shower is not working. Now, right there, it dawned on him that a lot of times, because he could have had a, a shower, even though half of the holes were not working. It dawned on him, and it as well dawned on me, that a lot of times people do not move on in life because just a few holes in their lives are blocked. I want you to hear me. A lot of people, they are too quick to say things are not working out just because few holes are blocked in their life. Sometimes the job is not going as expected. Then you see that the whole thing, your life is not working. Only to find it is just one hole that is blocked. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. How many here have you ever been dismissive of something and say it's not working, but it's because you have not tried harder enough? Uh, hallelujah. And that is what I would want to speak on. I want to speak on a subject that we had covered a while back, but I think it's very critical. The right mental attitude. The right mental attitude. Now, another example before I get into my message. A renowned professor came to speak to the students. And while the 
settled in his lecture room, he told them that uh, today we are going to have uh, an exam that he had not told them about it. Now the students were quite upset because they were not told about this exam and now they were uh, on each desk there was a there was a question paper and then he requested them to turn the paper around and when they turned the paper around it was just one dot on the paper then he said the exam today is going to be i want you to write uh, a quick essay about it, about what you see on the paper now what happened is that they took out the paper they started writing later he went through their script everyone was talking about the black dot somehow big it is how small it is the color thereof none of them wrote about the blank white paper then he said to the students it's amazing that in our life sometime we only concentrate on the black dots am i preaching to some people this morning you, things are going right but you are wondering about only one thing that is not going wrong and it robs you of the opportunity to see other great things that god is doing Am I talking to people that know what I'm talking about this morning? How many times has the devil robbed you of a sense of gratitude because he just made one aspect of your life to go wrong? And from that time, you just say, everything is going wrong. Not, every, not everything is going wrong. If you go and check, there's a, there's a gentleman that wrote, he's quite a, he's an an unemployed man and he had written on a public forum how defeated he felt the wife is the one waking he is not waking now he wrote and said people must really remember him in prayer a lot of times he feels so defeated because of the situation that he finds himself in and he said something very profound. He said, every morning I see my wife wake up, going to work, coming back, and I'm home as a man, and I feel like I cannot help her. Now, while he's there, then the wife of the man responded to what the man had written. He said, let me tell you something. I see, there are times when I see that you had been crying because I can see in your eyes. But it says, there's one thing that I appreciate about you. You are there. He said, you are there. In the morning, you are the one that makes sure that we wake up in the morning. He says, you are the one that makes up that the kids are ready. In the evening, when we come back, we find that you have cooked and you have cleaned the house. I'm talking about a man here, folks. Somewhere where I'm going. Then he said, she said, I want you to know that no matter what, I took a vow that I will be with you during easy times and during the difficult times. Amen. Now, let's put it this way. Most women don't leave men because men are broke. 
They leave men because when men are broke, they get angry and snap. Uh, I'm talking here, people. Uh, hallelujah. This man, he realized, he, he became a support structure. That I can't do this and that, but the things that I would do, I would do the best that I can. Imagine if the woman knocked off at 6 o'clock, when she gets home, the house looks like the tornado was in the house. Is going to make the woman agitated, and the first thing the man is going to say, she's angry with me because I'm not waking. She's not angry with him because he's not waking. She's angry because he's not helping. I just preached a sermon there. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I hope somebody caught it right there. Uh, if you hear, I, I, I'm talking about an attitude even on the natural level. Let me uh, try one more before I get into my message. The psychologist, they had 40 patients that had intense pain. 40 patients. And they separated them. And when they separated them, the other 40, the doctor administered, is it morphine? Morphine? Yeah, they administered morphine. It was a doctor injecting the patients. On the other 20, they had a programmed pump that administered the, the, the morphine via the IV into them. One was done by a computer. The other one was done by a doctor. And it was the same dosage. Then when they went to check on them, they found out that despite the dosage being the same, the other 20 that were, that whose, whose morphine was administered by a doctor, they reported higher relief levels. The ones where it was done by a computer, despite the dosage being the same, they absolutely, some of them felt nothing, there was no change, some there was just a slight change. Then they wondered what makes it to be like that. They realized that it is a matter of attitude. Hallelujah. This morning, I don't know how many you are. Some are going to be blessed. Some are not going to be blessed. And uh, quite frankly, I'm not taking responsibility for you not being blessed. But uh, the difference between those that are going to be blessed and those that are not going to be blessed, it is not so much what the preacher is going to say. It depends on, on the attitude when something is spoken. Uh, hallelujah. And what, breeds, what makes the right attitude is expectation. Uh, some, as, uh, we've got to be frankly. As we are preaching, one will be preoccupied with maybe uh, their personal budget. Some, the mind will wander and think over the kids. Some, there's going to be a lot of things, but somebody's going to be captivated and say, Lord, whatever you're going to speak in this service, I'm opening my heart so that you speak to me. Amen. That one is going to be blessed. Amen. Brother Bram say, expectation is a breeding ground for miracles. I want to repeat the statement. Expectation is a breeding ground for miracles. Amen. 
while at it, he said in this message, Expectation, paragraph 1-3, he says, we always get what we expect. When people expect anything, well, then they usually get what you, then you, then well, then they usually get what you look for. Is the, is the mental attitude that you have. Remember and never forget this. The right mental attitude towards any promise of God will bring it to pass. The right mental attitude towards any promise of God. It doesn't take gifts of healing to heal the sick. Any person in here has a right to meet Satan anywhere if you are a Christian. Folks, any person in this building has a right to meet Satan anywhere if you are a Christian and deal with Satan right there. What does it mean? It means that if, if, there, is a, if there is a demonic attack, it is not only the pastor that is assigned to deal with that demon. Every person that professes to be a Christian and whose life begs their profession, they are, they are obligated. They can meet that devil right there. The brother Ron says, when the weakest of the Christian goes down on their knees, what happens? When the, when the weakest of Christians go on their knees, what happens? Ah, you, can, you can see better than that. The demons tremble. It doesn't say when the pastor goes down on his knees. It doesn't say when deacons or when elders. It says when the weakest of the weakest goes down on their knees. Demons tremble. Uh, uh, do you believe these things that we are preaching? Maybe I must ask who has believed our report this morning. The weakest of the weakest of Christians, when they go down on their knees, demons tremble. Not the strongest believer, not a prayer warrior. The weakest of the weakest, when they go down on their knees, demons tremble. That means every Christian has got the capacity to make demons tremble. Half of the church believed that. Every Christian has got the capacity to make demons tremble. Every man and woman under the banner of the message of the hour has got the capacity to make demons tremble. Every man and woman in the building this morning has got the ability to make demons tremble. Oh, you can say better amen than that one. Folks, there isn't a lot of times we, we demons use us as a playground is because we don't know who we are. Yeah. Hallelujah. And sometimes God allows demons to really hit us hard, to push us into a corner, because I'm told that if you attack a man, even, even in military, they say if a nation attacks another nation, according to the military, those that master military intelligence, they say when, when you attack another nation, as you attack, make sure that as you attack the enemy, you are leaving room for escape. Hallelujah. 
an enemy that is being attacked and that has got no room for escape is a very dangerous enemy. Hallelujah. Because even cowards that could run away are unable to run away because why? You have closed all the, the avenues of escape. Now, if a coward has got no way to run, then a coward, what must he do? The coward will fight. Hallelujah. That is why God allows us sometimes to be cornered. So that when we are cornered, we've got no option. We have run from this and to that. But at some point in time, God said, this fellow has been running for a long time. We are tired of him running. Then he gets you into a corner. And when you are in a corner, that's when you begin to say, oh Lord, I need you right now. Has, has the devil ever made you angry? Uh, hallelujah. How many of the people in the building that the devil has ever made angry? Uh, oh, folks, it's not wrong to be angry against the devil. You won't go to hell. Sometimes the indignation against the devil is required. How many people the devil has ever made angry? Hallelujah. And the, further, the second question would be, what did you do about your anger when you were angry? Amen. Are you still with me? You'll bear with me. Amen. Now he says, now, an attitude has to do with, you can see one, thoughts that dominate a person's mind, even by their posture. Uh, a person that is confident, you don't need to ask. If you know you are a Christian and it tries to make you think you are not a Christian, just take Visa and say, I am a Christian. As long as your experience meshes in God's way, say, I am a Christian. Anything else is the same. Are you with me? Let me move to the second quotation in the message, The Junction Time, paragraph 52. Brother Bram says, The unreasonable thinking of men can never comprehend the miraculous. Hallelujah. They are unreasonable. I think last week you heard when they were preaching to you about the supernatural. A natural mind cannot understand the supernatural. But the supernatural mind can control the natural. Are you still with me? He says, the unreasonable thinking of men can never comprehend the miraculous. You have to come in contact with omnipotency. And then when you do that, you are in contact with the supernatural. Your life change. Amen. Amen. If you come in contact, there is a spirit in the building that makes you not to participate. I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, I'm preaching. I understand the dynamics. Are we together? You are in the presence of the almighty God. Feel free. Amen. Hallelujah. The devil is not welcome at this place. Hallelujah. When you see the stuchiness, the devil is behind the stuchiness. 
Brother Bram say a believer will punctuate amen to every scripture, will punctuate amen to every quotation. And I'm saying if there is any spirit holding you back, I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. You've got to be free because he that the Son sets free is free indeed. Are you still with me? You cannot come into the presence of God and be bound by the circumstances. We are the children of the Most High God. If we are unhappy, we are right at the place where the God is going to make us happy. Hallelujah. Actually, we were there before our unhappiness. Are you still with me? Don't allow the devil to create an environment that is unspiritual and make it a norm. Are we together? I hope we are together here. Then when you do that, you are in contact with the supernatural. Your life changes. You can never be in contact with the supernatural and your life remains the same. You can never meet Jesus and your life remains the same. Come on, help me somebody to preach that. You can never meet your maker and remain the same. You can never be in the presence of God and remain the same. When you are in the presence of God, things are bound to happen. I say when you are in the presence of God, there is going to be a change in the course of events. Things that were blocked are going to be unblocked. Things that were stopped are going to move. Things that were bound are going to be released. When you're in the presence of God, things are going to happen. You can never be in the presence of God and things remain the same. Glory be to God. Amen. Now he says, the unreasonable thinking of a man can never comprehend the miraculous. You have to come in contact with omnipotency. Then when you do that, you are in contact with the supernatural. Your life changes. Your thinking changes. Hallelujah. Why? You have come, when you have come to the service, you are coming because sometimes... We are here to be fixed, folks. That's why we call it a service. The car goes to the service to be serviced. So that uh, if there were blockages in the pipes, they must be unblocked. That is why you have come here so that God can, can really search you and check things that are wrong and fix them. Are you still with me? If you have just come to church for a formality, you are wasting your time. Hallelujah. We are here because we want God to do something in our lives. And quite frankly, people that have got battles, the right place for them to go is to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. How many ever got healed in church? Hallelujah. Uh, When you go to the house, I I came many a times behind this pulpit without telling you where I was not feeling well. By the time the service is done, I'm glorifying God in the service. I say, God, thank you. I'm healed. Why? It's because sometimes I realize that, ah, I'm the one preaching. I've got to go and preach. And Satan say, you are really sick. I say, Satan, you don't know. If the power of God has got to go through this body to preach to the people, that power cannot go through this body without healing this body. <laughs> Hallelujah. You don't, say, you don't stop doing something for God because there is a demonic activity. When things are not going right, that's when you need to come in contact with God. The devil must never stop you coming from the service. I say the devil must never stop you from coming to the service. Coming to the service is your power base. 
Are you still? Because why? It changes your mind. I don't know how many times I came into the service, and not because I was preaching, even if it was another brother preaching, I came into the service, and I sat there, maybe I had a certain situation that I thought this situation is beyond me. But as the word goeth forth, the, the situation that was bigger begins to dwindle in size. What is happening is because the preacher comes under the inspiration, delivers the word of God, and that word of God is like a stone in David's slingshot. And while I'm sitting there, I see my Goliath tumbling next to me. Hallelujah. And this morning, if you've got Goliath, he's got to tumble. I say if you've got Goliath, as Brother Mpana spoke last week, the the Goliath has got to be tumbled. If you really come to the service and your giant is waiting for you outside and you go out and the giant is still there, you have not done a proper job. Amen. Hallelujah. The giant that you left to be outside the building, when you move out, that giant must be a dwarf. Hallelujah. Have you ever heard the word of God that made you to undermine Satan? When you came, you were afraid, but after you heard the word of God, when you move out, you don't even use the bigger finger to point at the devil. You use the small one and say, devil, get by the wayside. I'm the child of the most high God. I've heard the word of God. I'm, I'm victorious. Are you here? Amen. Your thinking change. Your mind change. You are made different. Your sickness vanish. God's great power moves in. Hallelujah. In this message, hear ye him. Brother Brenham says, what you think is usually what you do. Hallelujah. What you think is usually what you do. If you don't like things that you are doing, change the way you are thinking. Uh, Hallelujah. You know, if you will do right, if you will do right, that's your duty to God. That means everyone in the building has has got a duty to do things right. And when you do things right, it's your duty to God. But I say, if you will think right, then it's your duty to yourself. I, I don't know whether you're with me. If you do right, it's a duty to God. But if you think right, it's a duty to yourself. So that means if you are not thinking right, you are not doing God an injustice, you are doing yourself an injustice. And a bulk of diseases come because people are not thinking right. I say things sometimes, some people they normally say, Oh, I've got bad luck. You don't have bad luck. You've got a bad thinking. And your bad thinking attracts a lot of things that are going wrong. Hallelujah. And this morning, for you to change the course of things, you must change how you think. You know, there's there's profound ways that Jesus kept on mentioning. Uh, He kept on saying, I am the bread of life. I am the way. These are are what they call the affirmations. And uh, uh, Jesus has never affirmed anything in the negative. Everything that he said, I am, it was followed by something positive. 
Now, if Jesus used the affirmations, you've got to use the affirmations. If the devil say, you are not perfect, tell him, I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I am blessed. I am healed. I am rapture bound. I am this and that. The more you say that, you are bringing your entire life in subjection to your affirmations. Brother and say, in the same message, you've got to come out right. You can't be going east when you're going west. That means you can't be thinking east when you're going west. If you are thinking east, you are going to go east. Are you still with me? That means if you want to check the direction, the path that your life is taking, check what your thinking direction is. And what shapes your thinking direction, it depends on what you are feeding on. Folks, the mind has got to feed on something. I'll repeat the statement. The mind has got to feed on something. As much as the body feeds on something, the mind feeds on something. And whatever the body feeds on, that's exactly what the body becomes. And whatever the mind feeds on, that's exactly what the mind becomes. Are you still with me? I, I have never, I have seen and I've said, told you many a time about the power of association. Business people, they've got what they call business forums, where uh, a mind like it, like, like mind like it, like mind, like-minded people, correct. We need young ones here to correct. Like-minded people get together. When they are there, they share ideas. Iron sharpens iron. They advise one another. Are you still with me? The quickest way to be broke is when you are a businessman, you hang around with us that don't have business. Ah, you're not going to go far. We're not going to sharpen your mind. Are we together? Yes, we'll admire you and really salute you, but you're not going to gain much. You need your counterparts, your peers in your field that you can see and they tell you, this is what you are doing, this is how we are doing. Then you get provoked to do better things because why? Of the company that you will keep. The company that you keep shapes your thinking and your thinking shapes your results. Glory to God. And the best way to change, and a lot of time, I've seen people wanting greater results, but they hang out with bad company. I've seen people wanting to be message believers, but hanging out with non-message believers. Glory, I'm going to talk here, people. Hallelujah. Don't yoke yourself unequally with the unbelievers. How can two walk together unless they agree? How can two walk together unless they agree? If you want to know who I am, check the company that I keep. If the company is unholy, no matter how much I profess holiness, I am not holy. I'll repeat the statement. No matter what I claim to be, check who I hang out with. If they are unholy, I'm not holy. And if they are holy, I'm holy. Glory to God. The company that you keep can either propel it to a greater height or it can destroy you. Oh, are you here, young people? If you hang out with drop out, it's a matter of time. You're going to drop out. Glory to God. If you hang out with backsliders, not love, you're going to backslide. 
the company that you give will determine the result. But this morning I came here not because I want to impress you. I want to be in the company of the people that believe that in the end time they can raise the standard. They can raise the banner of the message. And they are here to reinforce my belief system. Glory to God. You can't be going wrong when you are going right. Think right. Brother said, think right. Do right. You will be right. Hallelujah. You can't be right while you are doing wrong and while you are doing thinking wrong. He has just given you a formula of life here. Think right, do right, and you will be right. Hallelujah. But uh, now you understand why the devil is interested in capturing your mind. Because through your mind, he will determine the outputs in your life. I said the devil, through your mind, is going to determine the outputs in your life. So that means he's got to capture our mind. Even if I'm preaching here, the devil is preaching to quite a lot of people. If I say this, the devil says that. But it's up to you what you take. Uh, that's why I say, who has believed our report? Our report says you are more than conqueror. But I don't know what the devil is whispering into your ear. But I say, dismiss that old serpent. And tell him that I'm taking that report. That I am a more than conqueror. Because what? When you think right and do right, you will be right. Amen. Now, in this message, why Christ speak, paragraph 35, Brother Ram says, God had called such a man that Moses, that, that man Moses, that man was Moses. But Moses, a great deal like us, every time came a place to something had to be done. Moses, okay, I'll wait. Amen. God bless you. Amen. But Moses had a great deal like us. Every time it came a place to something had to be done. Moses called out, O oh Lord, what must I do in this place? Now, isn't that just like we do? God had blessed him and anointed him above his brethren and gave him a, a message and a ministry that had not been on earth since that day until that day. And yet every time something took place, Moses ran off to God with it. Lord, what must I do? What must I do in this case? Brother Bible say, it's not the same with us. It's not the same with us, brethren. God gave us the message. God gave us a ministry that has never been seen ever since man was upon the face of the earth. Do you know that our ministry, brethren, say, God did more 
in my ministry than in his ministry. This ministry is even greater than the ministry of Jesus Christ. I, I just rattled the nest today. Hallelujah. When Jesus was around here, at no point in time did Jesus speak currents into existence. He took something out of something. He took something to create something out of it. But in our time, in our generation, he, he, oh, it was a replica of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. He did not multiply something that was there. He spoke something that was not there, and it materialized. When Jesus was here, that never happened. I said, when Jesus was here, that never happened. But in our generation, we have got a greater message. We've got a greater ministry. And this ministry has got to produce greater results. That's why he said, more work shall be done. Referring to where? In our time. But if you are spiritually here, you are not going to go out and say, oh, they are elevating Brother Brendan Mara above Jesus Christ. You will be a very poor student of the scripture. Because what the scripture says, Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, when he was in this body, today, hallelujah, and forevermore. That means what he did yesterday, he can do today. And he can do tomorrow. If he healed an epileptic man yesterday, this morning God can heal epilepsy. God can heal epilepsy. Not tomorrow, right in this service, right now. Oh, some people want to push him next year. God is not God of next year. God is a God of current time. God can do something, not in the next hour, but in the very minute that we are in. God can do something that you have been waiting for for many years. Folks, right in this service. Glory be to God. Then he says, God got kind of tired of it. Every time Moses say, I've got this case. Brahman say, God became tired of it. And this man I say, God can become tired of you. Oh, I just said it. Because if you give a person authority and they don't use authority, imagine if they say you are a regional manager, but every time you need to make a decision, you phone head office. Every day, until the head office knows that that one, he will call every 30 minutes, can I do this, can I do this? Then they end up knowing that, ah, we have really put a wrong fella there. Uh, hallelujah. Because uh, you don't understand the, 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 the art of using authority. You need to check. So whenever God, Moses, went to God, God, I've got this situation. What must I do about it? Brother Ben say, God got kind of tired of it. There it is. I believe, said, why? Why are you crying to me? Speak to the people and go forward. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. If any time ever looked like the ought to retreat was then. But God has no retreat. Yes. I want to emphasize, God has got no retreat. Yes. 
So that means if God is in you and is facing the battle of a gun, God is not going to retreat. If he needs to move into the fire, he is going to move into the fire because God does not retreat. If he's got to move into the ocean, he's going to move into the ocean because God knows no retreat. And this morning I say, it's not only God, but this morning, real believers know no retreat. And folks, I say, we know no retreat. What does it mean to retreat? To run backward. We are not going backward. Forward we go. Is there danger before us? We are not going to retreat. We will face danger. Is there disease before us? We're going to face disease. We are looking for believers of courage. Believers that are not afraid. You can never bring any results when you are a coward. A coward has got no testimony. A coward can never praise God. He can only praise his legs that I ran and outran everyone. But we're not looking for runners here. We're looking for people that can be confrontational and face Satan head on and say, Satan, God is on our side. And if God is on our side, we are the majority. Am I checking to the church of the living God this morning? Not cowards that will run away. I'm told a young man was, a, was coming with his girlfriend. And they saw a bunch of group of men that came. The young man really ran off. And the young girl was asking people, what must I do with that fellow? People say, he is not good. Leave that, that useless man. Hallelujah. You, you know, if, a, if, if a, a thief can break into my house, uh, I, can, I can agree if he wants to take maybe a plasma screen. If he takes the microwave, it's fine. But the moment he goes for my wife, ah, I don't care how many guns are in the house. One of them is coming down with me. I'm not going to go without a fight. Hallelujah. Are you here? The devil can do anything. I said the devil cannot do anything. But the moment he touches the bride of Jesus Christ, God says, no, 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 no. You can touch their affairs. You can touch their... But don't touch them. If you touch them, then you touch me. Oh, am I talking to people that know? I don't care how much you undermine a man. But if you really, really ruffle his wife, you are in trouble. No matter how big muscles you have, the man is going to sort you out. Hallelujah. He will tell you that you did this last year, you did this last month. I understood, but now! No, 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 no. You have taken it too far. Glory to God. If you want to touch a man, touch his wife. If you want to touch God, touch his wife. And I'm saying this morning, we are not just an addition upon the face of the earth. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. And it is not based on what we profess. 
He paid the dowry on Calvary. Yeah. And on 1963, he brought down the marriage certificate, which was the revelation of the seven seed. This morning, we stand as a married woman. I say, we stand as a married woman. Mrs. Jesus Christ. How must we walk when we know who we are? How must we speak when we know who we are? It changes our thinking. It changes our attitude. Even when we speak to another person that undermines them. Oh, have you ever seen maybe a wife of a really renowned man in the community? If boys just speak to her the way they say, Hey, do you know where I am? That question that you know where I am, you know that it will scare you. Because you wonder, who is this person? Uh, hallelujah. Because if you, you can never challenge the person that you don't know who they are. Because you don't know what they can do to you. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, I was telling somebody, I say, this man, it was in a, in a workshop, in, in a warehouse. So he was busy moving things in the warehouse. Now there comes a certain man he says to him, he says, hey, stop. This one, don't put it there. Put it over there. The man looked at the, this, this man that was driving the forklift, looked at this man and said, hey, when I don't waste you my time, man. The man looked at him and said, I say, don't put it there, put it there. Yeah. Then he said, no, I'll not listen to you. I don't even know you. Then he went and put it there. By the time he put it there, the HR director was already there. And the man was fired without a hearing. He did not know that the guy that was instructing him was the managing director of the company. The managing director of the company doesn't take you to an inquiry. He fires you on the spot. Why? Because he felt that my authority is being challenged. And uh, this fellow, all he had to do was to say, uh, who are you? And maybe he might have been lucky. The guy might have told him that, have you heard about so and so? He would have realized that he's a marriage director and he would have changed the things. Are we together? Yeah. When, when, if you really want to provoke a man, undermine his authority. So therefore, you, sometimes when Satan comes and demonic forces come, you must stand there and say, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Hallelujah. Because behind the statement of, do you know who I am? There is a power behind it. Yes. Hallelujah. If a man says, do you know who I am? You know that there must be an, a certain thing that I'm not aware of. And this morning I say, certain, do you know who we are? We are not just like a church down the street. We are not just another denomination in Wheel Bank. We are not just Bible caring people in Wheel Bank. We are the reservoir of God's power right in Wheel Bank. Do you believe that? Yeah. Brother says, then God kind of got tired of him, tired of it, and said, why crying to me? Speak to the people and go forward. My, if, any, if there was any time that looked like the ought to retreat was then, but God has no retreat. There is no place of retreat in God. Go for what? The doctor says it's cancer. Go forward. If he says it's TB, go forward. 
If the devil says you can't get this up, go forward. If your home says you are going to be a fanatic, go forward. If the church sends you out, go forward. There is no retreating. Go forward. This morning, I don't know what you are going through. I don't know what is before you. But I'm here as a minister of the gospel to say, go forward. Glory to God. Don't care what is before you. All you need to do, go forward. Is there a medical report before you? Go forward. Is there a problem there? Go forward. Why? Because you don't have a reverse gain. The bride has got no reverse gain. Forward we go. We are done by the, of the things that are behind us. Forward we go. Glory be to God. Amen. But how many times people would want to run away? Cowards. Brother says, God has never used a coward even one time. I said, God has never used a coward even one time. Amen. Amen. Excuse me. In the message, the eagle stareth up her nest. Paragraph 169. It says, now, there is a time when a person gets sick. They become self-pitied. You know there are people that when they are really sick, they like self-pity. Everybody just around them. Oh, shame, you look very sick. No. Yesterday you were looking good, but today it's worse. And they cry, and they, he cries, or she cries as well. Brahm says, then they say, oh, I'm in such a condition. Brahm says, I've prayed for people that say, well, I don't believe I feel any better. You will never feel any better like that. That's not it. If that's the attitude, don't even approach him at all. Because it's not right in his sight. Don't have a complex. Come with a barely robust faith. It's a, it's, it's a settled thing. God said it, and this settles it right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God is not going to feel pity for you. God is not going to baby you. Brahm say you need to come with, a, belly, with a, a robust faith and say, this matter was settled. But for you to develop that faith, you must really have a certain degree of agitation, a certain degree of irritation, and say, no, this thing, it has bothered me for far too long, but now I am going to apply the scripture. The Brother Brennan says, a believer has got a right to pull a scripture and whip Satan with it. And this morning I say, every believer in the building has got a right to pull a quotation and whip Satan with that quotation. Why? Because God, Jesus Christ, when he met Satan, 
He took a whipping of the way and whipped Satan and said, it is written. And this morning, every believer in the building has the right to pull out a scripture and say, Satan, it is written. And whip Satan with that scripture. And I'm saying, in your condition right now, what scripture are you going to pull out? What quotation are you going to pull out to whip Satan with that quotation? But I'm here to whip. If you are sick, there is a scripture that you can pull out. I'm the Lord thy God. That healeth thee of all thy diseases. Pull that scripture and whip that Satan. Are you still with me? So, don't ever want it to be self-pitied. And actually, when you become self-pitied, you will never have a testimony. I've seen people that would want to be self-pitied. Oh, shame. Oh, Pastor, you don't know. I got sick, and then when I was sick, this happened, and that happened, and after that happened, cry, and even this happened, and even that happened. I'm looking there. I say, where is the weight in all this? At, at what point did you not stop and say, Pastor, this is what happened, and I was down. But right at the night, a scripture dropped in my heart. A song dropped in my heart. A quotation dropped in my heart. Then I woke up right today and I say, Pastor, not with such a quality of a message. Not with such a quality of a ministry. I realized that Satan is not going to make me a playground. Right today, I remember the quotation when Brother Brum said, when the weakest of the weakest goes down on their knees, something is bound to happen. In my room, I went down, Pastor. The devil that was troubling my child, I rebuked that devil in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm here to report. That devil is gone. We are looking for people that can report victories. Not people that can report misery. We are not miserable people. We are the blessed people. We are the covenant people. We've got promises behind our names. Amen. Even in school, I've heard that if you have a bully, schools these days are bully-infested areas. If your child has got a bully, and a bully stops your child and say, hey, bring your lunch pack. And the boy takes the lunch pack and gives it to the bully. Then the bully knows that, ah, I've got my man. Tomorrow, even though he had met your boy by chance, tomorrow he's looking for your boy. And say, that boy that gave me lunch yesterday, what have you got today? Bring as long as the boy cooperates with the bully, the bully becomes stronger. Yes. At no point in time will the bully say, yo, your mom really prepared a nice dish for you. I really enjoy. Boy, I'm not going to bother you anymore. The food was nice. Never. I say never. Amen. The only thing to fix the bully is when your boy comes with a lunch bowl and the bully says, Bring the lunch boy. And your boy say, bully, not today. Right there, even when the bully has got a company, he gets very uncomfortable. What do you mean, boy? Hey, hey, let me tell you. Today, what mommy has prepared for me, it is mine. Before you eat my lunch bag, you've got to deal with me. Have you got a problem, bully? Right there, the bully realizes this is not a natural response that I have. 
This is a very different reaction. Therefore, bullying will not take place. When Satan says, I will make you see, and he makes you see, and you say, oh, Satan, only if you can be great. The devil is not going to be gracious. But he's looking for somebody that can say, Satan, you made my mother sick. You made my grandmother sick. You made so-and-so sick. But today, this disease that has run in the family is going to run out through me. It's going to run out through me. Why? Because you are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you tell Satan, you are bullying to the, my family for far too long. But today, not today. But what does it take? The mindset. The right mental attitude to know what you are entitled to according to the promises of God. There isn't today. Believers have got no testimony. Satan has socialized us that certain things are a norm. I'm miserable and happy. Then you think that, who am I to be happy? Even the day you are happy, you are surprised that, where am I happy? And even you feel guilty for being happy. You even apologize for being happy. Because you have normalized unhappiness. There are uncertain families when a man comes home and is happy and is whistling. The wife is surprised. Why is he happy today? Because happiness is not a normality in that family. Even the children are wondering, what made daddy happy? They start whispering, is anything happy? Because it's an abnormality. You are sick. You have been sick for a long time. But the day one day you wake up and the body feels right, you are wondering, why am I well today? You are asking everyone, why do I feel better? Let me tell you, it's because you have normalized things, but that must never be normalized. And actually, when you are sick, that's when you must say, I cannot sleep like this. I cannot continue like this. What I've got promises of God. And God said, he is not a liar. Therefore, I'm entitled for a healing. But how many times have we normalized unhappiness? Normalized coming to church and not being blessed. Ah, we are going to church. And after singing, after the way has gone forth, ah, we are going home, looking very tired, looking like there's a, there's a huge burden on your shoulders. No happiness, no testimony. Even when we say, are there believers that can sing for the Lord? You don't have a song. Because we are going through this gloomy period. You've got nothing. You cannot praise God for anything. But I'm saying, that's not a normality. How can we change that? The right mental attitude towards a divine promise of God will make it come to pass. And your prophecy, a human heart was made to be happy. I say the human heart was made to be happy. That means when you are not happy, it is abnormal. That means certain you must declare a state of emergency. When things are not normal in a country, the president comes, he declares a state of emergency. What does it mean, a state of emergency? It means that there is a curfew. It means that around a certain time, no one must not be on the streets. That means everyone, 6 o'clock, it doesn't matter whether you are a doctor, it doesn't matter whether you are a psychologist, you need to be at your home. 
Why? Because there is a state of emergency. And I'm saying in the end time, believers must declare a state of emergency. Why? There must be a cafe to every demonic activity and say from this time and that time, I don't want to see any demon in my family. I don't want to see any demon in my marriage. I don't want to see any demon in my work. I don't want to see any demon in my business. Tell me there is a state of emergency. But remember, the reason the president declares a state of emergency is because he's got authority. And you and I have got a delicated authority this morning. Because whatever we bind here on earth, heaven has to bind exactly the same thing. I'm going to repeat exactly the same statement. Let their will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. And whatever we bind here shall be bound in heaven. And right now you and I have got authority. If there is somebody in the building that is defeated, that is going through a tough time, they have come to the right place because what? We are the elect in the end time. I say we are the elect in the end time. And quite frankly, I cannot preach to the same person and they come into church and they'll go back to the same boundary. He, myself, as a minister of the gospel this morning, I refuse that. I say on your behalf, I refuse that. You are not going to go back to the same condition. There's got to be a change from that condition. I said there's got to be a change from that condition. Why? I'm declaring a state of emergency. That demon that is tormenting your family right now in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind that demon in the name of Jesus Christ. Folks, not what God binds. Whatever you bind, this morning the binding is with us. And whatever we bind, he will follow suit. And whatever we set free shall be set free. And this morning, our children, if they are on drugs, we've got the authority. We don't need an AA. We don't need some drug rehabilitation center. We've got the best rehabilitation center. It is the word of God. And right now, wherever they are, we set them free in the name of Jesus Christ. Folks, there is a time when it is business as usual. And there is a time when it is business as unusual. And I'm saying, it is business as unusual. Certain things we cannot accept them anymore. Why? We have left our denominations. Didn't we leave our denominations? We have left our denomination. We have left our sinful life. And we followed the, the pillar of fire in the end time. What does it mean, therefore? Can we be defeated? Can we accept it to be cry babies? If there is something before us, what must we do? No retreat. Go out. Forward, we go. I say forward, we go. I'm just tired of a sermon, folks. Where we come and listen to a sermon and go back to the same challenges as if nothing has happened. And yet you have been in church, in a message church, where the revealed word was preached. But you go back to the same struggle. No, sir. Right now, where we are, we are making a declaration. We are drawing line, line on the side and say, Satan, you have bothered this sister for far too long, but now she has come and come in contact with the church of the living God. And right now, we are interceding on her behalf. I can say amen better than that. Hey, this is not a, a, a classroom. This is the word of God, backed up by God himself. The God that has never failed even one time. 
I said this God has never felt even one time. He created the universe. He opened the Red Sea. He stopped the fire. He closed the lion mouth. And that God is not dead. He's alive this morning. He's alive this morning. You can clap better than that. He's alive this morning. He is alive this morning. The same God that was with Moses. The same God that was with Isaiah. The same God that was with Daniel. The same God that was in the body of Jesus. The same God that was with Paul. The same God that was with Brother Brent. Today, that same God, that same God is in the building. Which building? The faith is very building. I say this very building. And you, wherever you are, you can reach out and touch it. Things will change. I say things will change. Because we are not victims here. Yeah? We are victors. You understand where we are? We cannot retreat. We cannot be apologetic. Brother Branham says, in this message, the pillar of fire. Paragraph 19. He says, the, the biggest trouble there is in the church today is a bunch of fear. That's why as we are preaching, some people say, hey, you don't know, Pastor. Bunzim. Very rough in my corner. The word has got an antidote for that rough corner. Things can be fixed in that corner. Hallelujah. People are always scared. There's a brother, I think it was a sister. She told me, she said, her workplace, they are retrenching. Pastor, pray for me. I really need this job. I said, sister, do you know that even if the economy can shut 95% of the jobs, your job will never be affected? Amen. I say, if it gets affected, God is going to give you another one. Yeah. Folks, I understand what? Even if 95% of the economy shut jobs, we are not going to be affected. Amen. Somebody sitting there say, but Pastor, I've been applying this and that and that. No, wait upon the Lord. Maybe God does not want you to go and work anymore. Maybe he wants to inspire something that through you, you can even employ other brothers. Because a lot of times we, we try to channel God. That God, for you to intervene, this is what I need. What if God doesn't want you to do that? He wants you to do something different. But a lot of times it's because we don't seek the will of God. I say no child of God is going to be left uh, stranded. Or forsaken. I'm going to repeat the statement. No child of God that lives according to the word of God is going to be left forsaken. No child of God that believes this message of the hour wholeheartedly that God will allow him or her to be shamed. Jesus says, even if an evil man cannot give his child what he's looking for me, and he gives him a snake, how much more about the heavenly father? Because I say, how much more about the heavenly father? The reason is because we depend so much on natural elements. And we forget that we are not natural. We are supernatural, living in the natural realm. Are you here? 
Don't be, brother say, don't be scared. This morning I said, don't be scared. He says, be brave. We're looking for some bravery here. You know, bravery, attitude. Bram spoke about a certain man that was sold as a slave to America during the transatlantic era. This man, when he got there, somehow to this man when he was in the slave's camp, there's a way that he walked. There's a way that he spoke. There's a way that he conducted himself. And when this other buyer came and said, I need that slave, the man said, no, that one is not for sale. But that one, why is he looking very well nourished? Is it because he's eating better food? He says, no, no. He eats from the same pot as everybody else. But why is he looking like that? Why is he, why is he walking like that? Then the slave owner said, I've heard that where he comes from, his native country, his father is a king. And I picked up that although he is now a slave in a foreign land, but he doesn't forget that somewhere across the sea, my father is a king. So therefore, although he's in a foreign land, he still walks like a king. He still speaks like a king. But yet he was a slave. I say if a natural slave can be like that, how much more about the people that have received the revelation of the hour and we are here in this foreign land, but we are the children of the most high God. How must we walk? How must we speak? Amen. 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 And Brahma says, we have not because we ask not. We ask not because we believe not. And Brother Branham says, when you ask, ask big things. You can never exhaust to God. You know, there, there are people that normally go to God and say, hey, I don't want to ask so much from God. Hey, I mean, convenience God. It may be bigger than for God. But if I can just ask this smaller thing, our God will do it easier. The same God that can heal flu can heal cancer. I say the same healing that goes for flu can go for cancer. So don't ever say, I want to make this assignment. Actually, when you know that someone say, I can do everything. Hallelujah. Have you ever seen when a new guy comes into the company and he speaks about what he has done in the previous company and says, this is what I see you guys are struggling well, I'm going to fix this company. Right there, employees begin to bring things that they know are very difficult. <laughs> Say, hey, we've been struggling with this and that. And then men writes down. And they think, that another one, they write it down. Then after six months, they go to him and say, what have you done? And if it does not fix they say, we told you. This thing has really troubled all of us. We never got it right. But if it were a right man for the job, after three months, he comes and says, you remember you gave me this list? Now, where's the new list? Is this fixed? This is fixed. Is that fixed? Then you see respect that they have for that man. Is there because he has fixed the things that they thought he would never be. So God this morning say, don't bring me the easy stuff. Bring me the right to those difficult ones. Those ones that you struggled with for a long time. Bring those ones. And let me show you that I cannot, can I not fix them? And if he fix them, what is going to happen? You admire him more. 
Then you talk about him wherever you go. You say you don't know what God has done for me. The reason we don't testify is because God is not doing anything for us. And the reason God is not doing anything for us is because we are not asking. And the reason we are not asking is because we are not believing. Where's the problem? It's not with God. It is with us. Folks, you know, God can do certain things for you that you are even wanting to interrupt the program of the church. On Sunday when you come there, you say, hey, Jikons, can I see you outside? This is what God has done for me. I, I want to tell you, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not referring to testimonies that will confuse us. No, no. There are some where a certain testimony, you realize that, no, no, no. The cow is really grazing on top of the tree. That will, the chickens will tell you that, hey, you really, really, brother, you need to read after service to go and sleep. You are tired. <laughs> must be, must be something very edifying. Um, in this church, we don't accept, we test something that, that is it edifying. But I'm talking about when God has done a testimony. I know a brother on his way to church, he got involved in an accident. The car was beyond repair. But the whole family, none of them had a scratch. When he got to the church, when the ambulance came, he said, just check us, but we're not going to the hospital. Now they say, but we need to take you in for shock. They say, we are not going to the hospital. You can just check our high blood and everything, but we are, drop us at church. Then they brought them at church, and the pastor was about to go and preach, and the brother stepped into the pastor's office and said, Pastor, I've got something to tell the church. Here are the pictures of the car, beyond repair, a couple of an hour ago. Every, we could have died, but none of us has got a scratch from that accident. I want to, I want to tell the children of God that our God is alive. And the pastor realized that before I preach, this one can interrupt the program of the day because of what God has done. And I'm saying, when was the last time God made something so awesome in your life until you say, I cannot keep, keep quiet about this. I've got to ring somebody and say, he has done it again. And when people come to your house, you can't tell them about anything. The first thing you say, oh God, he has done something that is beyond my understanding. That God is dead. But what is the problem? We are living far below our God-given privileges. And we have normalized things that are not normal. Because we are gripped by fear. What if things go wrong? This, tonight, this morning, I want to say, what if they go right? If you say, what if I die? What if you leave? Why are you always on the negative side? Can't you move on the positive side for one moment? What if I leave? What if there is an abundance? What if, what if I'm, I get sick? What if you get healed? What if you get lost? What if you are found? What if you get blood? What if you see? Because Brother Ram said, the best antidote replace the negative with the positive. Oh, my papers are not coming. What if home affairs doesn't grant me new papers? What if they grant you? 
Because why? If you are waiting for home affairs to give you the papers and you're not sure they're going to give you, then your life is in a limbo. It's in suspense. You can't plan. Even when we say, hey, we're going to have a conference, you say, hang on, brothers, I'm not really sure. Oh, brother, what if they come out? Why don't you behave like God has already done it? Why don't you walk and speak like he has already done it? I say, brother, there is a problem, but God is going to resolve it. I'm coming down there. Because this God cannot fail. But a lot of times, we want contingency plans. Even when brothers come together. But what if things go wrong? We need this plan. If God is part of it, if God is part of it, God does not need your contingency plan. Imagine the three Hebrew children being thrown into the fire. And while one of them say, I've got a fire extinguisher in case things don't go right. Him having a fire extinguisher is a reflection of lack of faith. But what did they say? Even if our God doesn't deliver us, we will not bow down to the image. What's happening? Whether he saves us or doesn't save us, it's immaterial. But us, we are not going to bow down to the image. When God saw that right mental attitude, he said, no, 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 no. I'm not sending an angel. I'm not sending anybody. I am going down myself. And he was there in the fire as the fourth man. When was the last time you provoked God until he said, I have never seen such a faith especially in the end time. When was the last time? It takes a certain right mental attitude. In closing, I always had a problem that the lion is the king of the jungle. It never somewhat clicked with me. Because I always... I remember the other time I was telling somebody, I say, the elephant is the king of the jungle. But uh, later when I went to search and do a research about the elephant, I realized that the elephant is big, but it's too chilled to be a king of the jungle. It's too relaxed. Yes, it's big, bigger than the lion, but there is something lacking. I realized that the hippo, hippopotamus, the hippo, is, is a very strong, strong animal. But I realized that there is still something missing with the hippo. I realized that the giraffe is the tallest. But with its tallness, something is lacking. And I looked at that fellow, the lion. I realized that he may not be the tallest. He may not be the biggest. He may not be the strongest. But he's got an attitude of being a king of the jungle. Where he knows that when I roar, the monkey, no matter how clever the monkey is, the monkey must bow down. No matter how big the elephant is, he must know the king of the jungle has roared. What happened, I realized that it is the attitude. And I said, God, give us an attitude. We may not be the strongest. We may not be the tallest. 
We may not be this and that, but give us an attitude to know that we are the kings and queens in the end time. Attitude makes all the difference. That is why. If you go to a job interview and they ask you, if we hire you, how much do you think we should pay you? And you say, whatever you can afford. (laughs) It's not humility. You are just telling them how useless you are. Because you don't even know how much you are worth. But if you ask them, if they ask you, if we hire you, how much do you think we can, we can pay you? Then they say, look, I don't know, but I expect that given my expertise and my experience, it must be a market-related salary. Then they say, but what is the market-related salary? They say, look, if I give you the number, I might be tempted to overcharge you or am I undercharge myself? So it would be best that you give me a band, whether it's between 15,000 and 20,000, then I'll, keep up, I'll pick up what is comfortable for me. Then you will see the HL will say, then let's leave it. Because they realize this guy, he knows his worthness. What, what creates that sense of worth? It's because of your attitude. But how many times when you get into the interview, you think that, hey, if I really become the cheapest, they're going to take me. If I become the most available, they're going to get me. People that get jobs, they are the ones that say, look, I may not be available to start immediately. I'll start next month. I've got a few loose ends to tire before I can join you guys. There's a difference between humility and undermining yourself. It's all about attitude. If the company says they are going to retrench, and you are the first one to say, you, I am going. You are going. God bless you, sister. If you say you are going, you are going. But if they say, we are going to retrench, and you say, "Ah, I know they won't be able to survive without me. And you whistle in the corridor and say, gentlemen, ah, the company is retrenching, but I, I don't know. Me, I'll be around because as long as it is still here, as we are needed. <laughs> and you walk like you are needed. <laughs> and in the meeting, when they tell you that uh, the retrenchment process will be done by the 15th of April, you in the meeting, you begin to ask about plans for June. <laughs> I just want to check what will be the program for June. And they realize that uh, we are returning to these guys as it's a matter of attitude. You know who is on your side. The Almighty God is on our side. I'm trying to provoke you to see things in a different way. Mothers, are you here? Amen. You meet other mothers. Oh, my child is pregnant. Teenage pregnancy. You know what's happening. Then when you get home, you begin to say, Hey, Nana, are you sure? 
based on the story that you have heard. But if you go home and say, my child, you, you don't know, so-and-so is pregnant as a teen. Other people are really worried about, I attended the graduation of Sister Lewin, Sister Angela, and I was happy. I said, goodness, we thank God that they are not inviting us to premature baby showers. We are going to graduations. Well, actually, we must never have a baby shower for teen pregnancy. If it is outside marriage, uh, they don't, don't encourage such a such thing. I'm preaching here, folks. Amen. Baby shower for what? Who's your husband? <laughs> Sister said, I arrange a baby shower. Maybe you need marriage certificate before you do that. We can't do that unless there is a marriage certificate. Yeah. Least you'll be found encouraging wrongful stuff. Are you here, our young people? We don't want premature pregnancies here. We want graduations the way we come and celebrate with your parents. Yeah. I was happy when the parents of Sister Angela said, Pastor, we really thank you. You are raising our children. Look where they are. I felt like a pastor that day because they made me feel like a pastor. They listened to me and look where they are. Amen be while you are not married, you worry about baby formula. <laughs> Am I preaching to you young people? Others, they look very sleepy. Am I preaching to you? <laughs> we don't want teenage pregnancies here. You wait until you are married. Amen. And what will the attitude determines your self-esteem? A, child, a girl with a poor self-esteem can run around with a, with a gangster. Because a gangster happened to have told the poor child, you look beautiful. How can a drunk person see beauty? <laughs> or a person that is on drugs see beauty? You must be able to say, no, 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 no. I will not fall for this cheap stuff. Why? Because I'm the child of God. I'm a blood-bought child of God. That it makes you walk in a certain attitude. The reason, young girls, you are busy wanting to be praised and complimented by useless people is because you've got a poverty of self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. Any person that can say, your dress looks nice, you already want to say, can I give you my number? <laughs> Just say, the dress is nice. No, don't be too cheap. If you say your dress is nice, you say, I know it because I chose it. I was not waiting for you down the street to tell me that I know because I chose it. Can I get an amen on that one? Attitude is the one that separates matters. And you, you cannot, I'm, I'm closing it, you cannot go around. I was telling a certain, and you ministers that are preaching for us in this church here is a tip if we ever send you somewhere to go and preach for us when you get there and they call you on the pulpit don't ever come and stand there and say me I'm not much of a preacher uh, I'm just nothing if you are nothing where are you going <laughs> you can't send nothing to go and represent us I'm talking about attitude. 
Do you know that there are people that walk around believing that some people are better than them? If God, musicians, are you here? If you come and sing for God, for that song, you are the one that can sing it better. If you go out and someone say, hey, that threw it all, you didn't sing it correctly, just say, hey, I cannot sing it the way you want to sing it. I sing it the way I feel comfortable to sing it because it must have my fingerprints. Our musicians are not able to sing because they are afraid that if I make a mistake, what will the people say? We don't care about what people say. We are here to praise the Almighty God. If it is off tune, don't worry. I'll fix it next time. But I'm not here to impress you. There's a demon that I want to bulldoze that is holding our musicians very, very in, in bondage. Two extremes. One, others, uh, do you allow me to preach? I see you are surprised. <laughs> Amen. Be a blessing to the people. Don't live for applauses. Have an attitude to serve. Say this song, I'm glad you sang. Keep on singing, keep on singing. We are coming here, we want to be blessed by you. When you come and bless us, there are certain demonic forces that you dismantle before the preacher comes. Are we together? It may not be the best song, but you did the right play thing because you were in your post of duty. I'd rather have somebody in the post of duty than somebody that is perfect and never available. I'm preaching here, folks. Do you want a, a very bright employee that never comes to work? And they say, me, I know English. <laughs> but when the time to speak English is there, it's not where to be found. You'd rather get somebody that speaks a broken English, but is there. He said, they, 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 can, I, can I help you? Say. But at least he's there. The customers, they find him. Then the one that say, excuse me, how you want it? And next time he's not there. Looking for availability and not just talent. I'm preaching here. Mr. are you here? I'm preaching here this morning. People that can be available when they are needed to be available. I looked at Brother Freddy. When I came to Whitbank, he was very, very, very small boy. This young man, if you don't see him in church, there's a good reason why he's not around. Ever since I've known him, if you don't see him, there is a real good reason why he's not available. He is not just going to be not available for not being available. And when you look at him, uh, because he's very uh, swaggy, imagine that I... This brother, it's like he's not serious with the message. Why is his shoes very... But he's the most spiritual man. Oh, brother, lucky is this convert, if you don't know. So if you are going to judge people how spiritual they are based on how they are dressed, how they, you're going to be misled. I'd rather have somebody that is perfect, but is always there at all times. Are you with me? As we are going to the convention, God bless you richly.
Sometimes when I travel, there are certain churches where I go to, and you find that the they only have they only if you can all stand up. You find that all they have as a music instrument in that church is a guitar. Hello? Just a guitar. And I'll look there and I'll observe. And they sing like they've got the whole band. And I, at times I wonder, say, goodness, what would, it, what would happen if they get a drum? Drums. If they get a bass guitar? If they get a piano, these people will set this area on fire. And I go to certain places where everything is available. But people that can play them are not, do they? Isn't it amazing? You families that are well off, make sure that you don't spoil your child. Certain times you must make certain things to be scarce deliberately to mold the character of the child. If a child says, I need a cake, Voo, you are in Woolworths, you bring cake. I need sweets, you are in pick and pay, you bring sweets. You are spoiling the child. There are times we just say, there's no money, we'll see months and even when there is money. Why? You are wanting to cultivate the mindset and attitude of not depending on instant gratification. That certain things you've got to wait. Because waiting builds character. Amen. Amen. God bless you richly. Let's just sing any worshiping song while we are going to close. In the cross
Thank you, Lord.
the building in the cross
us pray, our dear Heavenly Father, Lord our King, Father, here we are giving you praise, Father. Father, we have heard your word, Heavenly Father. Indeed, Father, you have come and passed this way, Heavenly Father. You give us showers of blessings, Heavenly Father. As your word has been saying, the right mental attitude, Heavenly Father. Father, we have denied everything in the morning just to come to your house, Heavenly Father. Just to hear that word, Heavenly Father, that's coming out of you, talking to our lives, Heavenly Father. We are very grateful, our Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, that's to sharpen us, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, also, Heavenly Father, to take out those things that are wanted in our lives, Heavenly Father, so that, Heavenly Father, we are able to tap into our blessing, Heavenly Father. We cannot be clocked up, Heavenly Father, and deny ourselves, Heavenly Father, those riches, those blessings, Heavenly Father. From you, Heavenly Father, we are thankful, Father, for this service that you have given unto us, Heavenly Father. Here is our pastor, Heavenly Father, have been ministering, Heavenly Father, unto us, Heavenly Father. We know virtue has gone out of him, Heavenly Father. It's not an easy task, Father, but Heavenly Father, the post of duty, whether, Heavenly Father, it's easy, it's not easy, Heavenly Father, it's still standing, Heavenly Father. Father, we are asking for all the prayers, Heavenly Father, to say, Father, bless him, Heavenly Father. Bless his family, Heavenly Father. May he stand, Heavenly Father, for this Heavenly Father, the bright Heavenly Father. Hear your sons and daughters, Heavenly Father. Also bless them, Heavenly Father. Those that did came, Heavenly Father, with not solutions, Father, but we know, Father, when we depart here, you have already granted the solution, Heavenly Father. They must just turn their mind shift, Heavenly Father, just to see, Heavenly Father, beyond the veil, Heavenly Father, just to see beyond, Heavenly Father, what circumstances are in their lives, Heavenly Father, to tap, Heavenly Father, and make things possible, Heavenly Father. Father, as we live here, Father, we say, Heavenly Father, be with us on the way, Heavenly Father. We are asking for traveling mercy, Heavenly Father. We cannot forget our families, Heavenly Father. We say we need you all the time, Heavenly Father. In this world that is dying, Heavenly Father, in this world that is falling apart, this world that is full of evil, Heavenly Father. But, Father, you still provide the place for refuge, Heavenly Father. And that place of refuge, Heavenly Father, we know it is in Christ, Heavenly Father. So if we are in you, Heavenly Father, all things are possible, Heavenly Father. Whatever our needs, Heavenly Father, you shall, Heavenly Father, answer our heart desire, Heavenly Father. Bless each and every soul that is here, Heavenly Father. Even those that couldn't manage to come, bless them, Heavenly Father. As we are living, Heavenly Father, may we ponder upon the Heavenly Father this way, Heavenly Father. Like those that have been traveling, Heavenly Father, in the mouse, Heavenly Father. They say, why didn't our hearts burn in our lives, Heavenly Father? Heavenly Father, day and night we need you, Heavenly Father. Without you, we are nothing, Heavenly Father. May you also, Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we are feeding that inner man so that he can always overcome that outer man, Heavenly Father. We are thankful for Heavenly Father for whatever that we are doing. May this lighthouse tabernacle, Heavenly Father, be the church, Heavenly Father, be the house of light, Heavenly Father. Where the lost souls, Heavenly Father, they can find a place, Heavenly Father. Where broken hearts, Heavenly Father, can be mended, Heavenly Father. Father, that is the whole purpose, Heavenly Father. And may we make, Heavenly Father, men and women, Heavenly Father, in this house, Heavenly Father, that they may realize that position, Heavenly Father. Wherever they are, Heavenly Father, they may turn, Heavenly Father, the people's hearts and Heavenly Father to know that Christ is still living in these days, Heavenly Father. Father, we commit everything to you, Father. 
with all the blessings, with all Heavenly Father, we magnify your name. We say, Father, with you, Heavenly Father, we know we are conqueror, Heavenly Father. Bless us, Heavenly Father. Bless whatever that has taken place today, Heavenly Father. We commit everything into thy capable hands. We pray. Amen. 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 We are going to have Brother Obet Diok from Congo for our convention. How many remember Brother Obet? Amen. We are certainly going to be blessed. Uh, Amen. There's another one that may come, but I'll confirm with you. It's a secret appearing. Amen. Must always have a secret weapon as well. All right, God bless you. Have a blessed week. Till we see you on Wednesday. Amen. Pray for us. We are praying for you. Amen. There is a song. Did you agree on the song already? Let's see, Brother Kune. All right, okay, there we go. God bless you.